had been a time when she'd jump all over him at a remark like, of the day, that is, to weed specifics out of his implications. But the years had taught her that silence served just as well as demands or accusations. It also gave her the upper hand once he finally admitted what he was trying to avoid saying. It came in a rush. Here's the situation. I gotta stay here another week. I've got a chance to talk to some people about a grant and I need to see them. Matt, come on. Wait, babe, listen. These guys dumped a fortune on a filmmaker from NYU last year. They're looking for a project. Hear that? They're actually looking. How do you know? That's what I was told. By who? So I called them, and I managed to get an appointment. But not till next Thursday, so I've got to stay. This is make or break for the film. Fine, she told him. But it was not, and he would know that by the flat sound of her voice. Sometimes, she added... I wonder if you'll ever be able to put it together, Matt. Then there was nothing more to discuss, because she knew that he would stay in New York to keep the appointment he'd fought so hard to get, and she would have to fend for herself. Another date broken, another wrench thrown in the works of the great life plan. She said, Well, good luck with your meeting. He said, We'll talk. All week. All right? You okay with this, China? What choice do I have? She asked him and said goodbye. She hated herself for ending their conversation like that, but she was hot, miserable, dispirited, depressed. Call it what you wanted to call it. In any event, she had nothing more to give. She loathed the part of herself that was unsure of the future, and most of the time she could keep that side of her character subdued. When it got away from her and gained dominance in her life, it never led to anything good. It reduced her to adhering to a belief in the importance of the sort of womanhood she had long detested, one defined by having a man at any cost, lassoing him into marriage, and plugging up his life with babies ASAP. She would not go there, she told herself repeatedly, but a fraction of her wanted it anyway, especially since she'd known for years that Matthew Whitcomb was right for her. China had arrived at this conclusion yet again by the time she reached her bungalow, one thousand square feet of 1920 architecture that sat among other similar cottages on a street lined with palm trees. Close enough to the beach to reap the benefit of the ocean breeze, far enough from the water to be affordable. It was definitely humble, comprising five small rooms and only nine windows, with a wide front porch and a rectangle of lawn in the front and the back. A picket fence fronted the property, shedding flakes of white paint onto the dry flower beds and it was to the gate in this fence that China lumbered with her photography equipment. China lifted the lopsided gate and swung it open, her intention to head for the garden hose and drag it over to soak the flowerbed. But she forgot this intention in the sight that greeted her. A man, naked down to his skivvies, was lying on his stomach in the middle of her lawn, with his head pillowed on what appeared to be the ball of his blue jeans and a faded yellow T-shirt. No shoes were in evidence, and the soles of his feet were black beyond black. If his ankles and elbows were anything to go by, he appeared to be someone who eschewed bathing, too, but not eating or exercising, since he was well built without being fat, and not drinking, since at the moment his right hand clutched a sweating bottle of Pellegrino. Her Pellegrino, by the look of it, the water she'd been looking forward to downing. He turned over lazily and squinted up at her. "'Your security sucks the big one, Chine.' China glanced at the porch, where the screen door hung open and the front door gaped wide. God damn it, she cried. 
Did you break into my house again? You're lucky it was only me. It's pretty dumb to go off and leave the windows open. Your screen's a complete shit. A pocket knife, that's all it took. He took a long swig from the bottle. That's my last bottle of Pellegrino. She dropped her camera cases just inside the front door. I was looking forward to it all the way home. My brother scrambled to his feet and upended the bottle of water into his mouth while he did so. When he was sated, he handed the bottle to her and said, You can have the rest. She went through to the kitchen, the bottle of Pellegrino in her hand. She poured what was left of the mineral water into a glass with a wedge of lime. She swirled it round, drank it down, and put the glass in the sink, unsatisfied and annoyed. What are you doing here? she asked her brother. How'd you get up here? Did you fix your car? That piece of crap, Cherokee said. I've got some things going where I won't need a car.